Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, every week, I love being able to sit down and talk to you about the journey that you're on in being a father to a daughter. And every dad's journey is just a little bit different. And it that's why it's so important for us to talk to other dads, to listen to other dads, to learn from other dads. And that's why every week I love being able to bring you different people, different guests, different dads that have done this fatherhood journey in a little bit different way and that are still doing their fatherhood journey in a little bit different way. And this week, we got another great guest with us. Mike Stout is with us. And Mike is a father of two daughters. We'll be talking about that. But he's also known as the Northland Adventurer. He has had some really uh, remarkable experiences kayaking the Great Lakes and doing some other really unique things. And we're going to talk about that as well. And I'm really excited to have him here today. Mike, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Like I said that you are a father of two daughters, and one of the things that I love to do is learn a little bit more about you as a dad. So what I would love to do is turn the clock back in time and all the way back to that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a um, blessing. It was a miracle that came true. I'll go back further. When I was in college, at the age of maybe 20 years old, I began looking forward, looking, envisioning what would my life be like. And the only thing I thought of and could think of was I'm going to have two daughters. I envisioned holding their hands, taking them shopping, spending time. And that was my singular vision was going to be the father of two girls. So you know, I never envisioned playing baseball or football or tennis or golf, but the son it was always two girls, and I've been blessed with two girls. So when I first heard that I was going to be a father, I was ecstatic, of course. Couldn't wait. And then when we discovered it was going to be a girl, you know, it was just um, a blessing, a miracle that came true. I was just ecstatic. I talk to a lot of dads and many dads talk about that there's definitely a fear of being a father just in general, but especially with dads with daughters that sometimes there's that additional fear of raising daughters. Talk to me about what was your biggest fear in raising your daughters? I had such high anticipation. I had no fear. I was just excited. I knew if I had the opportunity, I was going to be a great father. And I was so committed, so confident, and so sure I was going to be a great father. And being also a corporate executive, I was going to write a book about being an exceptional father. I wanted to make sure that every father knew how important it is for them to be active in their children's lives, but in particular, their daughters. Unfortunately, things happen in life. and. We went through some terrible times, and I felt that I failed horribly. 
And it was about when they were in the fourth and sixth grade, I became a full-time single parent, so legal and so physical. And what they went through during that time was so traumatic, I felt I failed because I could protect them against those, those unimaginable difficult times that they went through. So it may be my single greatest regret that I can protect them. And being a father, that's our role to protect our children, in particular, our daughters. So it's still tough. Let's talk a little bit about that, because I know that, like you said, it was a tough time. And for you, I guess now, your daughters are adults, you raise them, and they're out on their own. As they reflect back now, and I don't know, have you had those conversations with them about what you had hoped to be as a father, what you tried to be as a father, and what they reflect back to you about, I mean, because of course, for you, it was a traumatic time, and you know it was a traumatic time for them. But as you talk to them now, and they reflect back, do they give you feedback that eases your mind at all? In fact, they have. During that time when they're young teenagers or preteens, it was tough. It was confusing for them, for all of us. We're all going through it for the first time together. And being a single father, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And being a single father, you get mostly the, the bad and the ugly because they have their girlfriends to give the, you know, the good to. But I didn't mind that. I was there. That's my role. I'll, I'll take, the, take it all. But now that they're adults in their mid-20s, I often talk to them, one in particular, and they reassure me that I did not fail, that they often say it was because of maybe my being always there and being that, that pillar that they needed to lean into, that um, they're proud of what I did. And they were proud that I was there for them, as many other fathers perhaps wouldn't. So having them tell me that, it's a great relief, feel real uh, reassured, but I still feel guilty for not having done more. And that's just the reality. But having said that, we also have a granddaughter, which is, you know, when you have your children, it's amazing. But when you have a grandchild, it's unimaginable. And I feel that despite all the things that we've gone through, we have come all, you know, full circle, and we are better off than I could have ever imagined. So there's hope. There's hope for all of us, even those during those most difficult, dark times, and how people hang on to that and believe that. appreciate you sharing that, because that was one of the things I was just going to say, is that it sounds more hopeful than not, that for all dads that are going through those dark times, and there are going to be some dark times for some dads as they go through that experience, there's going to be high and low points, you know, that may not be as catastrophic as I can tell that the experience that you went through, but there are still going to be highs and lows. And that even if you feel like you failed, you may not have failed, but it may take a little bit of time to work your way back. And, and that's okay. You just keep working your way back. And that's, we have to never give up on our kids. And as I can tell you haven't, you never gave up on your kids. And that's what's one of the things and one of the roles that a father has to do. Exactly. Never give up. Now, as you look back at your the relationships that you have with your daughters and you think about each of them, I mean, when you have two kids, you have to do different things because they're different people. You have to build unique relationships with each child. As you think back to both of your kids, how did you create those special bonds with each of your children uniquely? 
I was lucky because of the age difference. They were typically in different schools. They were in different competitive teams, had different friends. So I could give them the individual time as they were growing up. But they required more of time, you know, more of my time, obviously, to, to tend to both of them. But I had individual relations and experiences with both of them based on their strengths and weaknesses and moments of need. So because of the age difference, it worked out really well. It definitely helps. And for some some dads, you have that large larger age difference. Other times they might be right on top of one another. And then you've got the, you have to deal with that as well. But it is so important to be able to create that time, create those moments and have those special moments with each of your children because they will remember that. Now, I did mention that you are also known as the Northland Adventurer. And I know that there was a point in time where you made a big change. You said you were in the corporate world. And as you transitioned out of the corporate world, you made some changes to your life to look at things that you enjoyed doing, and you did some new things. So talk to me about this transition and what it means to be the Northland adventurer. Yes, it's been quite the journey. The transition was when I became a full-time single parent, I had to choose between corporate America and being a full-time parent. Unfortunately, I had the means and the opportunity, and I thought it was an easy decision. Like I mentioned before, when I was in college, that was my single goal vision to be the best father. So I was dedicated to that. So when I pivoted, I began consulting. And as our children get older, they become stronger and more independent. And then when they have keys to the car, <laughs> the dad seems to be less important than ever before. So as they became young adults, became into their own, it was time for me to rediscover myself. What can I do that I will enjoy personally, help me from a mental, physical, and a spiritual perspective? For some reason, living in the Twin Cities in Minnesota with the lakes and rivers around, the idea of kayaking came to mind. And I picked up the sport of kayaking and it touched me. I was fortunate to have. Not too far where I live, the Minnesota River, the Mississippi River, the St. Croix, the Namakagan, some incredibly large scenic rivers. And being somewhat competitive and always pushing to be better, I picked up the sport and just fell in love with it. It provided the exercise, the serenity, outdoors, water, adventure, all those things that I love. And immediately I began looking for greater challenges greater distances, more challenging rivers, greater speed. And very early on, I had the idea of crossing Lake Michigan just after I began the sport. And being from West Michigan, having an affinity for the Great Lakes, I've always felt very comfortable, felt there's been a tug back to the, um, to the lakes. So I didn't tell my daughters that immediately, and, and I told a few others, and nobody thought that was a good idea. Paddling 50, 60 miles across the Great Lake as a beginner kayaker, it's, it's risky. But I was confident in my skills and my enthusiasm. And the first trip was extraordinary. I paddled from the middle of the afternoon, all night long, early morning, under the stars. Just an amazing experience. But being the first time, it was kind of scary and at times overwhelming, like anything for the first time. 
was an amazing accomplishment. So the next challenge, I thought, well, I'll cross Lake Superior. Knowing how few thought Lake Michigan was a good idea, I kept that idea to myself. <laughs> Take a long story short, the next year, I journeyed across Lake Superior. It took me 27 and a half hours. It was a treacherous paddle. I was lucky to have gotten off alive. I vowed to never return to Lake Superior again if I got off alive. Well, I made it and I've not gone back to Lake Superior. Then the next challenge was to cross Lake Michigan for the second time, then a third time, then three times in a year, and then for a sixth time. So I'm lucky and excited and proud to say I'm the first person to cross Lake Michigan solo, unassisted, not just once, but a record six times. So the Northland Adventure has stuck with me because of um, over the six years, I paddled 6,000 miles across the upper Midwest, some of the most scenic rivers and lakes, the Great Lakes, and it's been an amazing journey. Another factor I chose to do this is because my dad died at an early age and he had regrets that he didn't do those things he wished he had. My brother died when he was 55 and I was 51 at the time and he had great regrets that he didn't do things that he wished he had when he had the health and opportunity. So that was perhaps a driving force that I wanted to do things when I could. I would have no regrets and also perhaps proved to be a role model for others, but also to give my daughter something to be to boast about. They say, my dad did this. And let's talk about that. So you, you did these feats. I'm going to say you had these opportunities. You went and crossed these large, vast areas and you did it alone and by yourself. And you did prevail. You did get through, even through Superior. But let me know, as you started to do this, as you continued to do this, what kind of feedback are you getting from your daughters? <laughs> They've been asked that a number of times by reporters and, and others, and they simply say, well, that's what my dad does. <laughs> so at first they thought it was maybe a little bit aspirational, foolish. Perhaps they used different adjectives to describe my thoughts, but now it's simply what what their dad does. So I'm glad to be able to instill upon them the sense of independence, confidence, to challenge yourself, pursue new goals. And in that, they have both moved to California on their own, never having a job. So we want to go out there and pioneer and create our own path. We feel that like we can do this on our own. And hopefully that my example of you know, pioneering and being adventurous has given them a new venue and a new view on life. Let's talk a little bit about what you've learned along the way. So as you go across these vast distances by yourself. I'm sure there's definitely time not only to reflect and to think and to ponder, but at the same time, when you're going across a place like Lake Superior that is going to challenge you in other ways and threaten your life, you know, you, you definitely have to reflect in different ways. But as you've done these different things, and as you have been challenged in different ways, what has it made you, how has it made you look at life differently? Good question. It makes you truly treasure it and fully appreciate every moment, especially value those times with your family and close dear friends. And crossing Lake Superior, that was all about survival. 
I just wanted to get off alive and to be able to watch my children grow and, and my, my granddaughter grow as well. And crossing Lake Michigan, I've got that down to a pretty fast pace of just over 13 hours. I've become much more strategic in my approach, choosing good windows of opportunity. But when you cross Lake Michigan, there's four distinct quarters. The first quarter is all about the, the enthusiasm, the excitement of being able to do this again. You get out there in the middle of the lake where all you see for hundreds of square miles, just a sea of blue. The lake takes on the colors of the sky. It's just an incredible, peaceful, tranquil moment. The second quarter, you start getting into the routine, the effort, the exercise, pacing yourself on the time, the energy, the meals, hydration. It becomes a workout. The third quarter, you begin doubting your wisdom. <laughs> you're getting fatigued and tired. And even though you're enjoying it, you know you're only halfway through. But it's somewhere near the end of the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth, just before you can see the lighthouse on Lake Michigan, you look up and you really begin thinking and thanking God for such, an, for such a remarkable life. You think about what you've done and what you haven't done, what you wish you could have done differently. But it all, it all goes back to just how much I appreciate the life that I've had, my two daughters, and of course, my granddaughter. So when I look up in the sky and look up in the heaven, I begin envisioning, and actually I can see the faces of my grandparents, my parents. I imagine my mother rolling her eyes and my dad nodding, affirmatively. My, my brother encouraging me. I see the face of my best friend, Jack Hoyle, who just died a few days ago, and the close mentor, Pamela Kaspari, and they're all cheering, exciting, except for mom. Mom's a little bit apprehensive and wondering what I'm doing. But you get this amazing closeness with, you know, with God. I literally envision speaking to and looking at my brother and my parents, grandparents, making my way to Pamela, then Jack, and Jack's next to God. And I just want to take another look down that line and take a picture of God. But of course, the picture, the vision disappears. But when you're out in that lake, and that what drives me you know, back to the lake, to do it that fourth, fifth, sixth time, and likely a seventh time, is that closeness that I get there and nowhere else. That closeness with family of a past friends and family who have passed on before. And I just hope others can truly appreciate how lucky we are to have the life that we have and the opportunities. And most importantly, just embrace your friends and family. And of course, our daughters and our children and grandchildren. You really appreciate what you have. You're out there alone. And it's all you have is simply yourself and your thoughts at the time. So you've done some things that other people might've only dreamt of, or they may have only thought of doing, or maybe never have even thought of doing, have no interest at all in doing. <laughs> As you think about the future and other goals, other things that you might want to do, are there white whales out there for you to, to slay? Are there other lakes that you want to cross? Do you want to do Ontario and Erie as well? Do you want to do other things as you look at the future? Well, I really have an affinity for Lake Michigan. I grew up on West Michigan. 
and I'm always being pulled back to that great lake. So I envision doing a seventh paddle. Maybe there'll be more, but it's just because of that closeness I get with my family and friends and God. I don't envision going anywhere else besides Lake Michigan. I could do others, but that would be more for simply the accomplishment of saying I've done this, I've done that. But that closeness I get with family on Lake Michigan is is extraordinarily special. That draws me back. But I do see doing other things of perhaps giving back. And also, before I close my chapter, is to create other nonprofits and help build other businesses and leverage my skills in, in marketing, business development, and entrepreneurialism. So I have plenty to do, plenty to yet to accomplish. We always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood? Gift. It's a gift. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? When they tell you that they're proud of you, that affirmation is amazing. And when they tell me to forgive myself. Now, if I was to talk to your daughters, how would they describe you as a dad? Hopefully, and I think they would. They would describe me as being affectionate, supportive, there for them, driven, adventurous, and hopefully proud. What inspires you to be a better dad? I'm driven every day to be a better dad. Like I said, when I was in college, that was my goal. My vision was, was to have two daughters. And whatever I do, whatever I accomplish, be it in business, adventure sports, my legacy is my two daughters and granddaughter and doing the best that they can for them. Now you've given a number of pieces of advice. You've talked about your own experience, but what's one piece of advice you'd want to give to every dad? To celebrate those good times, as there are many, and during those times of doubt, of worry, to know that you're not alone, you too will get through this and seek those friends that are closest to you because they too have gone through difficult times. We are not alone. Now, if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? They can go to my website, the Northland Adventurer, and send me an email there. I've got a nonprofit called Michigan Waterway Stewards. They could go there. It's www.miwaterwaysstewards.org, or maybe contact you. Well, Mike, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for getting out there and living that adventurous life. And I can live vicariously through your experiences as well as everyone else can as well. But I truly appreciate you sharing your journey today and I wish you all the best. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org.
If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of fathering together. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents And bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be